I think about my process now and how I am now. Anybody whose work continues to resonate with people, it's because they're working from their truest self. And for me, I love working from my kids' space, but that's like where I work from when I'm creating. My audience are the young and the young at heart because they're adults that buy my work too. That's Susie Oldman, illustrator, children's book author, and toy designer. Kind of the trifecta of mediums to work in if you're looking to succeed in the children's education and entertainment world. Good illustrations can tell a story, and that story can become a book. And if you plan it right, that book comes to life, of course, in product form. For Susie, this was a natural progression, albeit one that took some time and had twists and turns throughout her career. Hi, I'm Bobby Brill, and in this episode, we dive deeper into the world of children's books, this time from the creator side. And before we get to it, please hit subscribe on whatever device you're listening on so you never miss an episode. Now, here we go with Susie. Did you start off as a children's book author, or how did this career path develop for you? So I kind of fell into all of it, but in a very organic way. And it's such a special way for a career to happen. So I started off my formal training in graphic design. My informal training from like the age of two is in just touching things and making things. <laughs> Painting, making. My mom he was a painter. My dad had a wood shop and he had three daughters and he, he just brought us into the wood shop and had us mm -hmm. do stuff with him. And we'd go out and play in the woods. So it felt like this like magical world. Oh my gosh. So I love being in that maple leaf world of being able to make things and what I could create. And then on top of that, like the stuff I was consuming visually as like growing up with like the Muppets mm. and it was very magical. And so I would try and make these like little dioramas to sort of recreate these visuals I was seeing and wow. I would make dolls. I was kind of, I just loved all this stuff. So that's like the organic making that happened. And then when I went to school, I went into graphic design because it sort of made sense with creatively where I was at at the time. And then later on, when I moved into illustration, what my my mentor saw in me was, I think, the graphic design part, which was very logic-based and problem-solving-based. Mm -hmm. So my mentor, who became my agent, realized, like, with my graphic design brain, mm -hmm. I could problem-solve the heck out of a project because I knew how to work with the art director. I knew how to look sure. at something and say, okay, we've got a holiday project where we need six SKUs or items that all work around holiday, winter wonderland. And I could do something like that very easily because mm -hmm. that's what you need in graphic design. And it's it's just a very easy transition. And Illustrator, you're doing something like a, a beautiful one-off. A graphic designer's like, well, I've got pages and I've got page turns and I've got the headings and I've got a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, and it was really fun for me because as a graphic designer, your voice is secondary to the client. And as an illustrator, they're coming to you for your look. And so I, I got to start putting my handprint on the actual look of things. And so my first projects were scrapbooking, fabric, which are flat surfaces, but you have to think broadly about a bigger yeah. scope of a project. Yeah, explain, explain to me briefly, if you can, because I know a lot of your work has this fabric element to it. How are you designing for fabric? So... 
they'll come to you and have a fabric collection and they might have a hero print. So you've got one print that kind of tells the whole story. So one of my best sellers was with the Matryoshka dolls. So the hero fabric has the main Matryoshka doll, but then you want to tell some story about the Matryoshka doll. So what are the supporting prints? And if someone's going to make a quilt out of it, what other patterns do they need to support that? Like little teeny tiny prints and you need prints that go different directions. So when you sew, you know, you're going every different direction when you're sewing, you're going up, down. They can sell more fabric if the print reads in several different directions. Okay. And you want things in different sizes so that you can, they can create texture with it. Like mm. a teeny ditzy print and like a much larger scale print. Something like one color um, palette and something that's got like lots of colors in it. And that's a um, lot of work to create, which sounds, you know, lucrative. It, <laughs> it is. If it does well, it's good. But that's the graphic design brain that I think I had mm. with me because everything has to fit within this scheme. And executing it once the idea was there was great. And I love concepting. That's my favorite part is when you get in there with the client and concept. So the early projects were really a lot like that. And I think my breakthrough was working with Land of Nod, which is no longer, but they were, I would say like a mid-size kids, homewares, bedding, Kind of like a, like a crate and barrel type place. Correct. Yeah. And I did a one or two bedding projects with them and they were somewhat successful. They were like lukewarm because mm -hmm. my stuff was a little out there for them, but they like to try new things, which was really exceptional about them. But one year they decided that for their catalog, instead of bringing in outside vendors to fill their toy SKUs, they were going to make their own, which was a huge undertaking because they had to decide what their audience wanted, what they were going to make, what age groups, how many of each thing, how they're going to fulfill it, and with, all within a year. So oh, that's, that's, that, that is a massive undertaking. They kind of <laughs> threw it out there to the artists that they had worked with. Do you have any ideas? And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been making things since I was like two years old. Like, sure, I've got ideas. Like, I just made Shrinky Dinks with my kids the other day. I went to Michael's and got like just plain Shrinky Dink paper. And we just sat around and cut out, drew on Shrinky Dinks. So, and that ended up being one of the kits they made. It was like this jewelry set with my drawings on it. People could color it in and like Shrinky Dink them and cut them out. It was hugely successful. I made a bunch more. And that was the beginning of me doing product design and I didn't realize what it was going to take me. I just knew I loved it. That's where I was the happiest is when I was coming up with ideas for products. What attracted you to product design then? I think it was just from being a kid and like just I always liked working with my hands. It always made me the happiest. Just thinking in that way, it just is the thing that brings me the most joy. It really, it really, really is. A lot I of the products you're working it. on now, are they're all very tactile and fun. Yeah. So, you know, it is, it is cool to see how you're taking these concepts through multiple stages of iteration. I don't know if it's like primal or something, but there's something about using our hands. I think we've somehow lost touch with and I love sure. creating yeah. things that people go back to whether that's the kids or the parents with the kids if they can get some reaction out of it it is very satisfying yeah. for sure so I had the opportunity to do a little zoom story time with a book I just had out it has these little felt flaps and mm. I think the kids were ages like maybe two to about eight and I got to talk to some of the kids that were there early and there was this hysterical little two-year-old and she was very verbal 
And we were talking and she had her book open and I'm like, what do you like about the book? And she's like, the flaps. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, anyone in particular? And she's like, no, just the flaps. And she had the biggest (laughs) smile on her face and she was just like opening and closing them. And it's a very tactile experience. I mean, they're felt and they're big and they're, they are colorful. And I was trying to just get a little more out of it. (laughs) She's so into it. But I think there's just something about touching stuff with our hands and having that experience and the object quality of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much about connection with people. And if there's any way to connect with them beyond just making something that they'll throw away. Because we live in such a throwaway culture, it's very important to me to create things that people will want to keep around. So if they connect to it in some greater way, then maybe they'll keep it on their shelf, you know, for a long, long time. Well, it's funny because, you know, you've worked with a lot of the Russian stacking dolls. Yeah. Because they, they are so tactile. There is something very satisfying of opening them up, lining them up, putting them back in, closing them up and moving them around. Definitely. And that's one of the beauties of what I do is I get to access myself, like my joy and the stuff I've loved since I was little, even with the books. And the one thing that I've realized with the books is that they're just an extension of creating things that people can interact with. And I think for anybody that's that's really excited about doing kids product, whether it's books, whether it's cards, I think just finding your kid self is really important because I think that resonates back out to the world. And I think kids see that. And I think parents feel that too, especially the stuff that makes a big impact. Like, you know, I do work with people that use recycled materials, but the next step is to make sure that when the product hits the hands of my customer that they want to keep it around for a long time that's something I you know that I really saw in the products overseas you don't just go to Target and buy some plastic toy to keep your kid happy for a week or two it's like something that you know you keep on the shelf and you take it down and you all play with it and then you put it back up there and it's like an heirloom thing and maybe you pass it down to their kids and like it's something very special um, that, that's that's an interesting way of looking at things because you know, us in America growing up on you know the internet and then eBay, we no longer have that idea of something that is an heirloom or a hand-me-down in that positive way. Yeah. You know, that, that, I mean, we had to sense. work so hard for the things we had. I mean, I this will definitely date me, but I just remember really wanting a Cabbage Patch doll mm-hmm. and it did not come very easily. And they, I still I, have I, that I, Cabbage I, Patch I, doll. Yeah. Where, where did you grow up? In State College, Pennsylvania, where Penn State University is. Okay. They call it Happy Valley because okay. it never really changes. Yeah, and then you said you've gone to Amsterdam. How is that experience of traveling influencing the work you're doing now? Because the work you're doing now is definitely unique to you. When I was seven, my parents decided we are going to go to Israel for a year. And I really embraced it. I loved it. I was like the perfect age to be there. I absorbed the language and I have like really vivid memories of it. But I had a really great experience there, and um, I think it was my first kind of taste of understanding that it wasn't just us in the U.S. And I think it was so adventurous that they took three small kids there and just did it, that I always felt like it was something I wanted Mm -hmm. to do that. So then I went to undergrad, and I went to graduate school in California, which was awesome, living on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. I 
had the opportunity to live in Portland, Oregon. And then ex-husband had the opportunity to take a job in Amsterdam. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like it was back to the whole sabbatical experience and living in all these different places and moving a lot did a few things for me. And one of them was experiencing a lot of different communities and seeing that everybody is pretty much the same and wants the same thing. Mm-hmm. And diving into different communities, we're all part of a global community and wherever you go, everybody wants the same thing and making sure we all stay connected in that way. And then the idea of home and home being wherever you are and taking that with you and also taking in where you're at. So I do a lot with home. My One of my very first projects with Chronicle was a book with lots of snails with houses on their back. Okay. Like this idea that home yeah. is always with always you. With and I have you, a yep. tiny town series and I have Susie City. So part of that comes from me moving around a lot and the idea of how that helps you grow, but also creating home wherever you are. I'm looking at the little Susie City one and you're bringing your home with you wherever you go and you can kind yeah. of set that up on your windowsill. And it's or... become a bigger thing thing for me as I've gotten older and more has happened like even now with COVID like we're all in our homes so what does that mean like people are mm-hmm. coming up and it's about to be the holidays and I know some people are grieving the fact that they can't be in homes with their families so can you create home inside yourself in your own home that is <laughs> so wonderful because you look at the work that you're creating and, and the, the product it is without a doubt even a cynical person goes oh it, I'm making my home wherever I want it to be Oh, I'm glad you see which that. Which is, which is, you know, again, maybe I'm just my 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 cold-hearted black heart is finally <laughs> softening up with a three-year-old. Um, but <laughs> I want to ask you and really dive into if we can, because I think this is the part that is the hard part for so many of us working artists, students fresh out of school. The big ugly uncouth question is: so, how are you making money doing this? <laughs> I feel like in life, I'm learning more that I'm always holding things in two hands. Mm -hmm. So I'm planning and I'm not planning. I'm just going with the flow, right? So there's plans and then they're just totally going with the flow. (laughs) And it was like that before COVID and it's like that now. And I wish somebody told me when I was younger that you should always be making plans because it keeps you excited and it keeps you on track. And you should also always be going with the flow because that keeps you at ease and happy and knowing that you don't have any control over anything. Mm. The only thing you have control over is what you're doing, like what you're creating and what you're putting out there. You could put out the best work and you could send it to someone and maybe they've got like 500 things going on and they just don't have time to look at it. Like you don't know what's going on at the other end of the email So if you worry about it or fret about it, like you just don't know. I like the way you said that because someone like me would go, it's really, really good work and they just don't understand it. And you're, and you're saying this is really, really good work. They got a million things they're looking at. They may not even see it. And I'm going to have to accept that. And I would also say something I've learned, which is not always easy, but I found it to be true is that if they don't understand it, if it's not going to be a good fit, then it's probably best that you don't work together because it's just going to be mm. painful for both parties. It's going right. to be a struggle and it might not go well. 
You know, I did the corporate culture thing for a while. Mm-hmm. I worked, I was in on the women's and girls team at Adidas in Portland. And there were parts of it I loved. I loved doing the trending part of it. I loved doing the research. I mean, I obviously was in girls, so I was mm. like on the right track. Yeah. But the corporate culture part of it did not click with me. Not that I couldn't do corporate culture, but like the layers of people you had to get stuff through the layers of approval, the political part of it. Like, I didn't know how to work through all of that. Mm. I'm a very honest person. I like to just have conversations with people. But sometimes when you do that, where there's lots of layers and lots of egos, like, you can get in trouble. (laughs) You just can. I just like to have really deep conversations with one person and get it all out and then just move on. But that doesn't always work. But I saw other people around me that I knew that it was working for them. And I felt really bad. But years later, I'm like, I'm, I have great relationships with my clients. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I'm just the kind of person. That I'm just more of an artist mm. in that sense. Like, I can still put on the corporate hat mm-hmm. and have a conversation with an art director. And I don't need the color palette to be Susie's color palette. I don't need the direction to be my direction. Like, I can take direction. I can take feedback. But when it comes to like the interpersonal connection, like I really, really need that. That's very important to me Hmm. that I can build that. And not every climate is conducive to that. I'm not saying every corporation is like that. I'm not even saying that Adidas wasn't like that. I just didn't know how to do it at that time in that environment that I was in. And I felt really awkward and frustrated and not very good about myself. I thought it was me and it, it, probably was but it also wasn't it just it (laughs) wasn't a good fit for me this is a much better fit for me it just took me time to figure out what fit me well and I think that's just an evolution of one's person (laughs) probably (laughs) and that's some people hit it sooner than other people you know that's great that you hit it because I think that's one of those things that comes up with a lot of people we talk to and, you know, myself, you know, I'm 43, so it's like I've gone through uh, ebbs and flows in my career and, you know, I'm doing a podcast now and it, it's, you know, yeah. you know, who knew that would be a thing that anybody would ever do. But to have the time to look and go, I'm going to eventually do what I want and it's going to change and, and it's going to be a path is something we all kind of have to keep in mind as we're on the, the journey of being a working artist. Uh, so yeah. I think that pointing that out is, is so important for anybody to yeah. listening because it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's not going to be tomorrow. Yeah. And the one thing that I will say, like in thinking back on that, that I always did, that I would definitely encourage people, especially right now when things are very different, is that I always had something going on on the side. Like when I was there, my sister and I, we were like, we're going to have a retail shop and we're going to call it Miss Cherry and it's going to be for girls. And we're super excited. And we, we went to like the Small Business Bureau and we like wrote up a business plan. And then we saw like how many retail shops make it. And this was in Portland, Oregon. And it's like really, you know, it's expensive to get a retail space there. Sure. And we were like, oh, we don't know if we want to do it. But we kept it going and we like pulled together all of our like boards and all this stuff. And then eventually I moved to Amsterdam and she moved as well. But I kept my creative juices going. If I didn't have a freelance job, I was doing stuff that kept me active. And I think that's really important just to keep me excited and happy and engaged with myself, with my community. Yeah, because we had talked about that earlier when we were just kind of chit-chatting. Like, you're open to collaborations versus exposure bucks, as as everyone likes to laugh. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like it's really important to stay connected to community and 
in an authentic way because that's what I get. I think we talked about that from moving around. Mm -hmm. And now there's like this new way to stay connected through social media. So if somebody comes to me and there's something that feels like we can collaborate on something that will open up people's minds or hearts or make them feel supported at this time, and it's a real collaboration that's going to bring happiness to people, I'm really open to that. But I'm not open to just spending my time to find exposure. Mm-hmm. I think it's more important to create connection right now. I feel like that's what I need and I'm feeling like that's what other people are needing. So the things I've done that have felt like they're more for just exposure haven't felt really good to me. And I didn't realize that's what was happening. I was trying to create connection and I didn't know the people well. I think they were trying to get exposure and it just it didn't feel super comfortable for me. But everybody's doing what they need to be doing. That was something I, I wanted to ask you and, and talk a little more on the business side. When somebody goes to your website at suzyoltman.com, you've got a great site that, I mean, it's, it's a full store. You know, it, it's a full brand you've created. How did that evolve from the freelance world? So, or is that still part of the freelance world? I would say at this point, I'm a brand. Okay. So I had an agent for about 10 years and it was a great experience and I learned a lot. And then I decided it was time for me to try things on my own. And when I did that, I finally created a website. So it took me like 10 years to do a website. I really relied on the agency for a lot. And it was a great learning experience because I kind of had to start like pulling all my stuff together and seeing what I had and what I wanted to do. So I just, I didn't have the shop. I just had the website Mm -hmm. and it was kind of around then when I was like, you know, I really just want to focus on kids. Like I would do stuff for women or stuff for dudes or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I think I, I just love doing kids stuff. I really want to focus on that. So around that time, I started thinking about building out the shop and I have a very strong relationship with the company called Piskiambu in Holland and Karate my client and she had come to me to create the Matryoshka doll and Mr. Sun and Friends. So she came to me to create the art for the Matryoshka doll, which she had already like produced a few of those. And then Mr. Sun and Friends, we had nothing. And she's like, how do you want to, do you want to do a wooden set of friends? So I concepted it and came up with the shapes and everything. And then she produced it under her brand. So those were the first two things that we did together. And then I proposed Susie's City as a follow-up to Mr. Sun and Friends. I I just have to say, even the most cynical art person can go, there is something very fun and cool about having little wooden toys that you have designed. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh it's awesome it was it's like oh my gosh it you know, it's, it's it like you definitely know. a dream come yeah. true yeah so I think my main passion are objects I would say okay. I would just say objects and then the prints I create on my own and the books are through Chronicle I love doing the books I feel like they're getting harder and harder because the more you do the harder it is to think of good ones <laughs> I did the A to Z and I was like, and done. <laughs> well, I, as somebody looking at your work and kind of brainstorming in the in the back of my mind, going, well, you get one book, but then the book sets up all these other things. And those other things are much more fun. I'd rather do those other things. Let's let's yeah. do the toys. Let's do yeah. the markers. Let's do the the cutouts and stuff. That 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 seems like more fun. It's definitely different. A to Z was fantastic because I did so much drawing. Like mm-hmm. I 
felt like my my level of drawing just skyrocketed because I, ha- I just was drawing so much for a couple months. So that was really exciting. It really pushed my drawing. With the product design, it's a different conceptualization kind of thing. But I love it all so much. It's it, the, There's something about the community and the full circle-ness of it. I'm working on a project right now for one of the shops in the U.S. that's been carrying my stuff from Piscianvu like, since the beginning. And I started following them on social media because there are two stores in San Francisco that have been carrying my, my Piscianvu work since the beginning. And until I started carrying it, they were like the only places people in the U.S. could get it. So I just send people there. Oh, okay. So this store contacted me and they're like, hey, what would you think of doing this project? I'm like, oh, I feel really honored. Like this is everything coming full circle. And you've supported my work for so long, just like having it here and inspiring people to buy it and be part of it. And then me getting to like do something for your store is really wonderful. And it's really special to be able to be in that space with a community of people. It, it seems like the most niche thing, but yeah, it must be an extremely small world of, of people that you are all collaborators at some point yeah. working together, yeah. at least bouncing ideas off of each other. Yeah. And I do love it. I also get really concerned because there's so much stuff out there and there are a lot of kids that don't have anything. So I'm trying to think of ways to, to work with that piece of things. You know, can I grow bigger? <laughs> So that I can give back a little bit more to Mm. communities that don't have as much so they can have access to some of this. And then also just how do we create smarter? How do we teach people that they don't need to go and buy like a million toys? How do we do this a little bit better? Because we're not going to fix the planet just by, you know. Just by a few somebody, things, it's going to be a lot of things. It's a hard conversation to think about. It's like, well, I want to make toys because my job is to make toys, but I don't want people buying a lot of toys because we don't need to buy a lot of toys. That's got to be a hard thing to kind of always be thinking about. Well, I don't think of it as hard. I think of it as exciting because of my time in Amsterdam. And mm-hmm. I think it's just about being more thoughtful in our choices And I think that means as creative people being more thoughtful about what jobs we take on and what we put out there and how we live, like how much stuff do we need in our homes? How big do our homes need to be? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, do I need all the stuff or can I just have a little bit of stuff and then I don't need all the jobs, you know? It's a tough thing too. I mean, especially as we're all living at home, we're always fighting those things. But to kind of wrap it up a little bit, I want to ask you what advice you have for students, because at, at, at the heart of this, we are talking with students. And even if you're not a, an academy grad, you know we're all students learning how to do this as we go. So obviously, the first advice, it seems to be, is go live in Amsterdam for three years, because that seems to be a, a worthwhile thing. Definitely um, go live abroad. Or I, at least was... live outside of your comfort zone for some amount of time. Move abroad, which I totally agree with. I lived overseas for eight years, and it is mind-altering in a great way. What other things should students be thinking about if they they hear this and they see toys and they go to stores and goes, I want to make toys. I want to make things that kids are going to play with. What are some bits of advice that you can give them? I would say if you're really set on specifically making toys, I would definitely look into some classes on like Skillshare or Creative Bug or anything out there on the internet that might help you direct your skill set 
I never did that. I just jumped right into it. But if you're like brand new out of school and you don't have any connections, I would say like start building up your portfolio, especially during this downtime of COVID. If you're in an apartment or at home and you don't have a job, like it's the perfect time to start just find those things that make you really happy and that you love to do and go for it and just start drawing and taking some classes and building up your portfolio. Don't force yourself into something that doesn't feel comfortable. If you're taking a class and you're like, I hate this, then just give it some space and try something else. One of my favorite things to do, which has taken me a long way with this, is just creating like worlds of characters. Like I just sit there and I draw like little families, weird families of characters, like Mr. Sun and Friends. It's like a son. Yeah. And it's, the, visual, you know, the visual development idea of everything. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of get inside yourself and outside what you're seeing all around you. So like just doodle some faces and some weird characters and just kind of get into yourself. And like, if that makes you happy, do that. If you want to figure out how to draw, actually produce toys, take some classes on that. Because some of that stuff is like hardcore drawing. I have to say I'm at the point where I send my drawings to my collaborators, clients, and they do all that like vector work to make sure it's sent mm, off to, okay. or China actually does it. They'll take my work and then they'll send it back to me and I'll prove it. Okay. But I do think there are a lot of people that love that technical piece of it. And some people wrap their heads around the process through the technical part of it. And some of us wrap our heads around it through the visual part of it. So I would, they're like different ways into it. But that's a good advice that, you know, if you've already graduated, it's like, I want to shift gears. Like, well, there is somebody you can turn to who can do the vector work that you don't necessarily know yeah. how to do or do the prototyping work that you don't necessarily know how to do, but you yeah. can kind of futz around with it and play with it as you go yeah. and always be learning. That's another key thing that we all forget after we graduate. It's like, oh, my gosh. oh yeah, you're not done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That piece of paper just means you got over hurdle one. Yeah. And for if you if you love toys and you have the money, like buy and look at them and just like take them in and see see what you like about them, see what you don't like about other ones. I've got boys in the house, so I get to see like all the cool Transformers is doing a really Hasbro's doing a really, really nice job right now with their action figures. It's a lot of plastic, but they're doing a really nice job. <laughs> they're working on their packaging to make sure their packaging isn't as much as it used to be. So. I, I, I have noticed that the, the stuff I, I break down and buy my, my son, I'm like, man, these are really good. I mean, I had G.I. Joe's, but this is a light years better, man. This is yeah. this is intense. Yeah. There's also some great videos on YouTube about the best toys of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, all that stuff is really fun. In terms of books, the SCBWI is the children's book group. They have groups all over the country, and you can join those, and people get together. I'm, I'm guessing they're Zooming right now to help you write stories and learn to write stories, and they have guest speakers and conferences. So that's really super duper helpful. And same thing I'd encourage if you're interested in writing books, like buying some and having fun looking through them and getting you jazzed about what things you like and what things you don't like. And just being brave, sending stuff out and seeing what kind of response you get because you can't learn unless you get feedback. And if you don't get feedback, it's okay because people are super busy. And I'm not just talking about feedback from like companies. You can write artists. I know a lot of myself and a lot of my peers do try to give feedback to young people that are writing them oh, and saying wow. like, okay. hey, how did you get started? I have a contact sheet on my website and asks what you're contacting me about. 
you're contacting me about a project or just because you have some questions. So it's kind of directed to me. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, and a lot of my peers have that. So if there's someone you're following on Instagram and you really love what they do, like just reach out and tell them what you're up to. And people so, are very generous. That, and sometimes they're very busy, but most well, of them are very generous. The, you're, the, you're saying people are generous <laughs> is nice to hear. <laughs> I think so, they are. Most so of my friends are. So last question, what's five years look like? What's the goal? Oh my gosh. I could have given you one like six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> we all had different goals six months ago. Yes. <laughs> I would say this. I would like to have a crossover homeware toys line with my name on it. So think something that, that works as homeware and a toy, but with my okay. name on it. And okay. I'm going to get some videos online, some crafting, doing, making videos online for some different audiences, kids, young people, adults that like to make stuff. <laughs> well, that is all amazing. I love your story. I love the work. And I want people to really look at this work. If you've got kids or don't, it's very, very enjoyable stuff and i hate using the term that everybody in the industry uses whimsical but it is very whimsical in a very oh, fun thank positive you. way i'll take that so thank you so much because every time i talk to people with your background and that you're doing stuff now makes me feel good and i hope students feel good too because it's going to be a lifetime of work and yeah. it's not going to be i did this and i'm done knowing that you're you know you're working on corporate, then you're working on your brand and you've got a plan. It makes me feel good about, you know, me throwing ideas against the wall. We're all doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. A good primer, if you will, on what a career as a creator in the children's book, toy, product space looks like. I hope you picked up a few tips for your own career path. Because as more and more art and design career opportunities arise, employers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and skilled creative professionals. And here at Academy of Art University, you will get those work-ready skills that employers want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco or anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request more info about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including illustration, game design, photography, UX design, and more, visit our website at academyart.edu slash creative mind.